What's up, Achievers? It's me, your host and friend, Billy Power. Hey, my guest this week is Chad Neptune, bassist for Strong Arm and Further Seems Forever. And Chad is a great example of how somebody with zero formal music training can pick up an instrument and make something beautiful with it. Seriously, the music that he and his bandmates uh, created is something I'm very honored to have been a part of. Um, But as we will learn, and as we have come to learn, making great music can also have some downsides and maybe just a little drama. (laughs) This episode is part one of two, and today we're going to go back to the beginning. So please enjoy my talk with Mr. Chad Neptune. going on chad not much uh well life remember when i was out at your house when you guys were recording and we were playing halo do you remember that yeah (laughs) yeah yes i took advantage of you yeah i was i'm not i'm not i'm 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 not good at video games so (laughs) yeah uh unfortunately i was good i'm no longer good it's a whole scene (laughs) yeah i just remember being on like a ridge or something and uh just running around in circles while you laughed at me that's what i I I just wanted i just wanted to hear your laugh that's all (laughs) i just felt like such an idiot i'm like you must think i'm just just a chump i'm just running around in circles come on man get it together i would never think you're a chump well, thanks. Um, so listen, um, why don't you tell me, I mean, you've lived in Florida your whole life, is that right? Uh, almost my whole life. I uh, was born in uh, Colorado, and really? uh, my parents got divorced, and we moved with uh, to Florida, where my grandparents lived, and uh, lived there through about middle school then i went to high school in rockwall texas which is outside of dallas for a couple of years it was my dad's really? job moved there yeah and then um moved back here uh my junior year sounds right yeah i mean i i'm not great at math but that sounds that seems to add up <laughs> it's legit it's legit so You're you really grew- the truth. <laughs> you really grew up in colorado if that's the case uh well no I, I only I only lived there for like till I was like three or something. Oh, okay, and then yeah. you were in Florida, and then you yeah. were in Texas, and then back to Florida. Yeah, so pretty much here my whole life. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. What was going to Texas high school for two years like? It was probably one of the worst experiences of my life at that time. It's such a like impressionable time in your life, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, I moved there and I was like into like skating and straight edge hardcore and my school had a rodeo team and everybody had <laughs> yeah <laughs> cowboy hats and belt buckles. Not all of them, but you know, I got picked on pretty good. And then there were some kids that were into punk rock, but they picked on me too because 
they like to do drugs and I didn't. So, oh my god, <laughs> not all of them. I had some friends. I had some good friends, and then it got better once I got my driver's license, and then I was able to like do my own thing. I wasn't yeah. like stuck in that really small what, town. Where was the town located at? Like, what was the next? It's biggest east city of Dallas. Me? It's okay. it was close, pretty close to Dallas. Yeah. Huh. So not even really, it's not like you were going to shoot over to Emo's or something. <laughs> uh, no. Austin was like another world at that point. Yeah, see? I was going to say, but if they, you were at least in proximity to that, you might have some hope of hanging out with some <laughs> like-minded people or something. But they had, uh, they had have Deep Ellen there, and they had like a pretty good scene going on in Dallas, but in the town I was in was just... It was very. It was a huge culture shock, you know. Yeah. Coming from a big, like, uh, very culturally diverse city, mm-hmm. to a town where, as a Jewish kid, I would wear my Star of David, and kids thought I was a Satanist because they thought it was a pentagram. <laughs> <laughs> what you? Yeah. What you? Some kind of devil worshiper there with your <laughs> pentagra- pentagrams <laughs> around <laughs> your neck? <laughs> I'll never forget it because they were like. Is that a pendulum? And I was like, <laughs> first of all, I think you mean pentagram. <laughs> they don't even and know. no, it is not. <laughs> but, you know. Sure. I used to get that with my uh, Celtic. I have the Celtic, like, um, mm-hmm. Jer- Jerusalem cross on my arm. I used to get it. Is that a swastika? Yeah. You know, or whatever. It's, yeah. Sure. Your white power bill. (laughs) (laughs) It's ridiculous. So let's go back then. We may revisit Texas, but let's go back to like you growing up as a kid then in Florida. Um, Like, how did you get into music? Like, what's your earliest kind of memory of getting into music? Um, You know, when I think back, like uh, I know a lot of people get influenced by their parents' music, but my, you know, my parents weren't really into music, you know, they were like, whatever's on the radio kind of. Right. And the first time I listened to a song and was like, whoa, this like really moved me in a weird way. Mm -hmm. It was Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like it got me pumped up. I was like, yes. You know, I I do have the Eye of the Tiger. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and then from there, like I got into hip hop. Like I think the first record I bought was run DMC, uh, profile. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I really liked the whole vibe of the like hip hop back then because it was mm-hmm. underground and, you know, I was probably, I was in middle school actually, no, it was elementary. Cause I remember listening to the beastie boys and being like mesmerized and like a friend of mine, like came to school with like the lyrics written down on on sheets of paper and you know it was like hey check this out <laughs> because that was the thing you would try to memorize the lyrics because they didn't have the lyrics in the record for some reason back then weird and uh so i got into hip-hop you know and uh at some point i got into skateboarding 
and I met a lot of the other skater kids, and they were into you know punk and skate rock and mm-hmm. and hardcore, and like I was like, yeah, this is cool, you know, this is awesome, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, it's very rebellious. Were you watching like the vi- videos and that kind of stuff at that point, or? Oh yeah, yeah, that was my first introduction to the Descendants was when Mark Gonzalez was skating to Cool Guy. <laughs> In the Vision Psycho Skate video, I said I remember all this stuff because it was like I watched it so many times. Like I'm sure most kids did, and yeah, yeah it was awesome. You know, it was like uh, I felt like, and uh, you know, it's I didn't have like a plight, like uh, I wasn't a kid from the streets or anything like that. <laughs> I was just you know middle class family, and mm-hmm. um. You know, I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. And I, when I kind of got into that subculture, I was like, okay, I feel like I belong somewhere, you know? And, that, and I think that's kind of ended up what got me out of, like, the hip-hop thing mm-hmm. was because I just couldn't relate to a lot of the stuff that, you know, that it was about, you know? Right. Like, you liked the music, but that you couldn't really relate to what they were singing about. Yeah. Uh, even though... You know, it's like you're listening to Public Enemies fight the power, and yes, I agree with fight the power, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I'm a a white kid from suburban America singing fight the power, so it's kind of, you know, you're like, maybe, you know, I'm the problem, I guess. (laughs) I think he's singing about me. Yeah. I mean, I I still like some hip-hop. You you know, it's funny, I, I, I actually took my daughter, she's been begging me, last night to a hip-hop concert. Really? Yeah, and... Uh, she she has very eclectic taste. How was that? It was fine. It was no big deal. But I was like, you know, really nervous. That's why I went. Obviously, <laughs> yeah. it was uh, this guy Tyler, the creator, that the kids oh. are listening to these yeah. days. Yeah. Oh uh, well. <laughs> can't, can't win everything. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So this is how you got into music. When did you mm-hmm. uh, first start playing music? Like, uh, like, yeah. did you start on bass, or was you were you doing other stuff, or what was the deal? No, I. Uh, so when I moved to Texas, I was very, you know, uh, I just had a lot of time on my hands, you know, and mm-hmm. we lived out in, you know, this rural town, and um, I didn't have much friends. I know it sounds sad and emo and all that, but. Um, <laughs> I just listened to records, you know, and my mom would take me to this record store that was all the way in um, Dallas, and I would just buy as much records that looked cool as I could, you know, and then I was like, I'd love to play, you know, but I had no idea where to start, you know, I uh, I just never knew anyone that was in a band mm-hmm. at that point. Uh, there was a band in in Texas, like a punk band, and I was like, "Hey, if these guys are doing it, I could do it." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, do you remember what they were called or anything like that? Just like a local band? Yeah, I do. They were called Conniption Fit. Oh, that's a great name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, and I just remember uh, my grandpa bought me a, a bass for. Um, you know, and I chose bass because I really liked just the idea of 
being the backbone, you know, like I like the heaviness of it and it didn't seem as complicated to learn. (laughs) (laughs) There's four strings. They're kind of (laughs) big. Yeah. Actually, I think I wanted to do drums, but my parents were like, "Mm -mm, not happening. No way. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I don't know. Maybe I just made that up, but, uh, <laughs> no, that's, yes, that's pretty common, man. <laughs> I manage, I, I manage a school of rock here in New Jersey. And, yeah. Uh, that's typically, they don't care if like, that's like the only thing they're interested in. Their what about guitar? What how about guitar? That sounds pretty good. The kid's like, I want to play drums. I only want to play. Dr-. Well, what about keyboards? You want to play keyboards? Like, just like <laughs> nobody wants their kid banging on drums in their yeah. house. So. And chances are, if you're interested in drums, keyboard is not coming into your mind. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to cut it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I my grandpa bought me a bass for my birthday or something along those lines. And uh, I just sat in my room and tried to play along to as many songs as I could. I mean, I remember, like, I knew so little about the instrument that I it took me like a couple of weeks before I realized you have to actually press down on the fretboard to change the <laughs> notes it's not just alternating strings nice I don't think I've ever told anybody that but uh, so like at the point up, up to the point that before they got you the space though you never were like in chorus you never played music you never played an instrument you never did anything with music at all no, nothing at all. I uh, just liked it. Wow. And uh, I mean, I remember I remember when I was in elementary school, like in music class, they had these violins mm-hmm. that I always wanted to play, but for some reason they never we never got to play them. So I was <laughs> like, okay. Weird. Yeah, I don't know, that just popped into my head. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, so I just started playing. So then what, uh, do you remember, like, what the, like, I learned to play the Vandals records, uh, so I'm just curious, like, what your, do you Yeah, know, like- so, that was way more complicated, but, uh, it was minor, <laughs> minor threat, um, I tried, like, Jimi Hendrix, I tried, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause very bass-orientated stuff, I, I got, like, way into just, like, you know the different bass players you know mm-hmm. um you know new york hardcore bands you know yeah. sick of it all i'd sure. you know it, it's clobbering time by <laughs> sick of it all was just yes that was what the bass was all about you know i i had totally forgotten about this year one year that i went to warp tour and saw sick of it all and uh what's their guitar player's name the guy at the flat top Oh, uh, Lou. Yeah. He already was like pretty old. Right. And I just yeah. remember him like behind the speaker stacks. They have like all the metal rigging. Like he's doing like chin-ups, like behind the speaker stack on the side of the stage oh, to get yeah. like warmed up for their show. And he was just like going so fast and like killing. I'm like, oh my God, that guy's like an animal. Like what is he doing over there? <laughs> like who does, I've never seen a dude. I've been to thousands of shows. I have never seen a dude getting ready to play doing chin-ups like behind the speaker stacks. I, <laughs> I, I hear stories of guys like, uh, I heard the misfits were like that too. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Doing some deep squats and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Spin kicks, whatever. Yeah. Anyway. So New York hardcore. You're yeah. That stuff. Um, yeah, you know, I just oh, Inside Out was was big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Burn, 
you know, lots of revelation bands and descendants and it was basically anything that I liked, you know, it, and I tried to do, you know, different stuff like, uh, like I had like Lenny Kravitz record that I liked a lot at the time Mm -hmm. that, that I would try to play bass to, but fail. But, uh, yeah. So then this is like, so this is like freshman, sophomore year in Texas. You're playing bass in your bedroom. You didn't play with anybody in Texas at all? You just No, so I started... Um, so I knew a guy who played guitar who was into mm-hmm. punk, but he was more into, like, you know, exploited and, like... Uh, um, GBH you know, or something. Yeah, like those kind of... Those kind of bands. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's funny is I never got into metal, but... You know, they were into like Slayer and stuff like that. So I started playing, I started playing with him, and you know, we were both terrible, but it, it was, you know, it was a good experience playing with somebody. Um, we had a crappy little band that didn't, I mean, it didn't even do anything. Then I made up, met up with these other guys that were actually pretty good or decent they were much better than i was at at their music and uh they started uh we started playing and actually we made songs really which was like it was like awesome you know i was like (laughs) this is the best feeling ever you know and uh then at some point i think i flaked out on them because i started skating more again at that point Mm -hmm. um and yeah, so I had a friend, um, he moved there from, from Michigan, and it was a very similar situation from when I moved there, and we became pretty good friends, and we would go skating all the time, and he was, like, awesome, like a really great skater, and he actually became a really good professional skater. Um, his name is uh, Josh Kalis, mm-hmm. and he's, like, from, he's, like, Anyone who skates would know him, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, is he yes. like a street a street guy or like yeah, a ramp? street guy? Like he, as he think he made his bone. He after we lived in Texas, he moved and I moved back to Florida. He moved to Philadelphia, and mm-hmm. started uh, like he he hangs out with like Rob Deerdick and Bam and those guys, and he like did that whole Love Park scene in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I met him and, and then I kind of ditched the band thing and was just kind of like, did the whole, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So skating. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. What kind of, what kind of board did you have when you were riding at that time? Oh man, I had many. I've. Oh gosh! Was there like a company that you were sort of loyal to, or did you kind of mix uh, it up with well, all different stuff? You know, at first it was Powell, of course, mm-hmm. and then then it was H Street, which was the big one. Uh, like uh, I still I still kind of get the giggles when uh, like I see like Matt Hensley play with like Flogging Molly and stuff because <laughs> yeah. he was like my favorite. You know. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, Santa Monica SMA, like I had like all the Jason Lee decks and stuff like that. My first board, good board, was a Sims. It was a Staub. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
so then uh, you moved back to uh, Florida, and he moved. And yeah, so um, you know, did you go I, back? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, did you move back to the same area where your grandparents like there the whole time, or what was it? Yeah, like? my grandparents were there the whole time, um, but. Uh, you know, we only lived with my grandparents when my parents got divorced for for a little while, and then gotcha. Um, yeah, it's South Florida area. We moved back there. You know, I think one of the biggest, you know, parts of my love for music kind of came around was just before I moved back. Was my sister was still living in um, Florida. And during mm-hmm. the summer, they were, they had went to this music festival, Cornerstone Fest. That was like ninety one or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, they were going back, and they were like, "Hey, you should come, come with us," you know. So I went, and that's where when I met uh, I met Dave Bean. We drove yep. up together, and you know Dave and uh, all the other guys that that I was soon to be in a band with, you know. And we went to Cornerstone, and like I was opened up to this whole nother world, you know, um, which was really cool. Like, how did your sister even get interested in going to that? Well, um, okay, so she. Growing up, like, she had a real, like, uh, thirst for finding out, like, what the truth was, you know? Mm-hmm. What, what am I here for? What, you know? I don't know what you call that, a spirituality or anything like that. But, you know, we grew up in a Jewish household that was more or less reformed. was not very strict at all. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's still a part of our heritage. And Jesus was a, you know... I mean, I might as well use the F word, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was like a bad word. So, um, you know, she studied a bunch of different religions and different, you know, types of Christianity. And she kind of came a- across uh, this uh, church and started going to church. And, you know, and at the time, like I was probably about 15 or so. Um, mm-hmm. This is when I, we still lived in Florida before I moved to Texas, and and she was, uh, you know, just telling me about you know all these things. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense, you know. Um, just really open to it, and you know, I was pretty impressionable at the time, you know. I, I just I just had my eyes open, you know. What, you know, I didn't want to be closed-minded at the time. And I, mm-hmm. you know, just wanted to be open to everything, you know. Um, made a lot of sense. Went to church with her, and I really believed that that something moved within me, and I felt that, and I gave my life to Jesus, you know, at that point. Um, mm-hmm. But giving your life and living your life <laughs> yeah. for Jesus are two different things. It took me a while to figure that second part out, you know? Right. Um, it's like you went to the show and bought the t-shirt. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, during that whole time, like when I lived in Texas and, and after that experience at Cornerstone, I was like, you know, I really just want to meet friends that kind of believe the same stuff that I do that aren't mm-hmm. like cheesy Christians that are real people, you know, mm-hmm. and like into the same music and just like subculture that I was because I, I know I can't be the only one. And that's what like cornerstone kind of 
was like, oh, wow, you know, there are people that kind (laughs) of, they, they're like me in, in certain ways, you know? So I, you know, I, I think at that time, like I prayed about it a lot. Like I was like, you know, I really just want to meet people and, you know, things happened and we ended up moving, uh, moving back to Florida. And I got a call from, uh, Jason, uh, Bergeron at the time and Mm -hmm. their bass player for Ichthus was moving, uh, for school or something like that. And he's, and Dave was, uh, not doing it anymore. And I was like, okay, yeah, of course, I'll play bass. Uh, Dave, Bean, Dave Bean was the original singer, and then Jason yeah. took over for him. Yeah, J- Jason was the guitar. He was playing guitar. Oh, okay. And he played guitar and sang after Dave left. And I was like, yeah, and it was Chris uh, Carbonell on drums, and then it was me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, awesome. And I was not good at playing (laughs) it took a (laughs) lot of practice you know but um i was really dedicated and like i saw like it it was amazing like how god kind of brought us together you know like how did jason even have your number did he go to church with your sister or something or yeah so he was friends with dave and dave knew my sister and Mm -hmm. um and then when we went to cornerstone that year i met chris carbonell and uh jason and them and actually, there was a club in South Florida called Seven Seven Seven. It's a pretty sweet name. But sure. they, <laughs> yeah, they met there. They would have like all kinds of like you know punk shows that wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily uh, Christian. But yeah, so they met. There. What town was that in? That was, I think, that was in Hollywood. You never went. I never, I never went there. It was gone by the time I moved back. Gotcha. Yeah. So your sister went to Cornerstone, then you went to Cornerstone, and then you were in Ichthus. And then how long were you in the band and you guys in that configuration before uh, you changed the name and all that? You know, it's funny because, you know, when you're younger, time seems to move so much slower. Yeah. So I think probably... It seemed like a year, but it was probably only a couple of months. Yeah. And we were, you know, because we were a very different band and we wanted to go in a different way, in a different direction, you know, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, Ichthys was more just kind of straight ahead punk, right? Yeah, it was just kind of punk and it was like very lighthearted, but, you know, we kind of had this fire, like we wanted a real message, like a ministry almost, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, we wanted to do some things different. I mean, um, we all were ingrained ourselves in the local scene mm-hmm. and, you know, we went to all kinds of shows and, you know, yes, we were Christians, but we just wanted to like get our word out and that's what kind of like i think that's what kind of attracted me to the hardcore scene at that point was you know it was all about speaking your mind you know and mm-hmm. you know you mentioned that that um documentary that new york hardcore documentary and john joseph said something on there that that i really agreed with was punk rock was like anti-establishment and you know against everything but hardcore kind of proposed solutions to those those issues which mm-hmm. i was like yeah that's a great way to put it so you know look being a christian was not an easy thing as you know in that scene and mm-hmm. um but you know we were there and people i think kind of respected us around 
you know, mm-hmm. eventually because they knew we weren't just some, you know. You were one of them. You liked the same bands. You yeah. were in the scene. You cared about the music and about yeah. them. And Yes, right. exactly. So who came up with the name Strongarm then? Do you remember? <laughs> And what was like, like, what did that come from? Was that like a wrestling thing or was, was I know, you know what it was like, we were trying to find our identity really. And, you know, it's like, if you know, Jason and Chris and, you know, at that time we got Josh, Josh started playing with us and, and he, um, Chris lived with Josh at his house Mm -hmm. and, um, Josh was younger. He came from a band called Endure, which was like a straight edge hardcore band that was pretty popular around the scene at the time. And then they ended up kicking him out and starting another band called Tension at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and Josh was like one of those guys that every band or good band has where he's mm-hmm. like a music virtuoso. Like, right. It, it's just like, the stuff that he came up with was like light years beyond what we were doing, you know? Mm-hmm. So that kind of changed everything. And he was like, look, I, you know, I want to be more progressive in, in our music, you know? And so, you know, we were like, Oh yeah. Awesome. You know? And it really kind of opened up a lot of avenues, but he's like, kinda... he's like, Chad, I'm going to need you to spend a little less time skateboarding and a little more time practicing the bass. Oh, I was out of skateboarding by then. <laughs> keep up, man. You got to keep yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I think that the thing that was most important is like, we got along, we were friends, you know, mm-hmm. and that ends up, I think always being the most important thing. So like in our group at that time we were all about like glory like like oh man it'd be so glorious you know if you you like i don't know just like <laughs> it, everything had to be that was the catchword the catchphrase or whatever well everything had to be epic for some reason and like yeah. you know jason was into this tough guy thing and then we kind of all were like trying to be tough guys i don't know what it was but <laughs> so we had this list of uh names that we wrote you know just you know what what is what sounds like what we want to be you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And and strong arm was kind of there. And I remember Josh was away. He was visiting his dad for the summer. Mm-hmm. And when we decided on the name, we called him and we were like, hey, what do you think about these names? And Jason was like, oh, strong arm. And he's like, oh, you know, he didn't want to hurt his feelings. So he's like, it's okay, but well, let's keep looking. And then he was, and then somehow <laughs> it got... Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. He's fine with it, you know? <laughs> so we ended up just adopting it. And when I just remember when Josh came back, he's like, really? I, ah. Oh. And for some reason, we were like, oh, we can't go back and change it now. Yeah, everybody knows us by <laughs> yeah. this name. We've really built it up, yeah. But I was like, you know what the funny thing was? I, like, I remember just like, you know what? You grow into your name. Right. You know, I'm like, look at Gorilla Biscuits. Like, I think Gorilla Biscuits is amazing, but if they weren't an amazing band, the name would just be a stupid name. Yeah. Dumb band with a dumb name. Yeah. (laughs) So just like, whatever. You didn't put too much 
thought in it. But yeah, so we kind of changed our style at that point, you know, um, because Josh entered the picture and Jason uh, just went to singing. And then eventually Nick, who we also hung out with a lot, he was he was playing bass in tension at the time. And Josh and Nick had been friends since like the fourth grade. Were Josh and, and Nick ever in tension at the same time? No, Josh wasn't after. actually in tension. They changed. Okay. Yeah, it was endure, but they were in endure together. Nick played bass and Josh played guitar. Gotcha. I forget. I don't know why Nick. I don't remember what happened. Why he left tension, but he started playing second guitar for us, and it was awesome. Mm -hmm. Now, wasn't there a guy Bob in there somewhere? Yeah. So. Oh man! So after we recorded, <laughs> yeah. So, no. Dust off the old uh, cobwebs up there, buddy. Huh? I'll help you, you know, out here. <laughs> it's funny, but Bob was friends with Jason. Jason, uh, Bob was in a local metal band called Ambugalard, which was actually a really popular metal band down here, and and he was really great musician. And um, we had some. I, I mean, I don't know if you know this about us, but we have uh, turmoil in the band. We go through members. <laughs> I, I seem to recall something about that. <laughs> sounds sounds vaguely familiar, yeah. <laughs> you know, without going into a lot of detail, basically, so Bob and, uh, or, I'm sorry, Chris and Nick actually left the band. And Bob... We got to play guitar, who was friends with Jason, and then we got Steve to play drums. Steve we knew from Tampa. Um, we had a friend named John Dodonna who lived in Tampa, and Steve was his hmm. roommate, and Steve was in... Johnny Johnny the Thief. Johnny the Thief, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Steve, um, Steve, man, Steve really took us over that edge um mm -hmm. it, he's just the most natural like raw drummer like I, i've probably ever met you know um he uh just added so much and he was playing in bands in tampa in the tampa area and i think he his band had just broken up and we were like what about what about steve you know and we and so we uh, called Steve and we were like, "Hey man, what do you think about uh, coming down here and and playing?" And he was like, uh, "Well, why don't you guys come up here and we'll practice and see how it goes?" So we went up there and we practiced uh, at the refuge. You remember that place? I do. And uh, it was like so exciting, you know, like mm -hmm. we just like the pieces were really falling into place um in in kind of where we always kind of wanted to be you know and we did that and uh, steve ended up moving down and we um did some touring and then i don't i the timeline's a little fuzzy but uh jason ended up uh wanting to leave and go do other you know non-musical adventures <laughs> he's a little older than the rest of us and mm -hmm. and 
because he was leaving and Bob was good friends with him, Bob was just like, yeah, I think I'm going to leave too. And so they left and then we're like, oh man, what do we do now? Because at that point, it's like, you know, we still feel like we had so much to do. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. So we had like some songs written and we were trying to get ready to record another record. And um, we... uh, started looking for singers and someone for guitar and at that point our relationship with chris and nick were was was you know all better mm-hmm. and we uh were like hey you want to come play again so nick's <laughs> like okay so nick came back and played guitar and instead of chris playing drums he came back and sang yep. or yelled and um it just felt like that was kind of the way it was supposed to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we recorded uh, Advent of a Miracle, and we did some tours and did a lot of great stuff and, like, really felt like we uh, fulfilled that part of uh, the band, you know? point i mean i know you guys have kind of always been into the music that sort of influenced further seems forever but like but i mean were you guys already getting into like Jawbox and all and sense field and all that kind of like was that already kind of happening and you're already kind of moving into that kind of stuff yeah so we like always liked like bands like fagazi a lot you know and it was such a departure because you know i can only speak for myself is you know, I felt like if I was into hardcore, I can only be into hardcore, you know, and like, mm-hmm. or or punk, you know, and like these bands started coming out. And actually, you mentioned Jawbox, and I remember Nick being like, dude, you gotta, you gotta listen to this, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, just like seeing how it's you know, we called it post hardcore because you know, all these guys were kind of in hardcore bands we just kind of opened our minds to like hey you know you can do whatever you want you don't have to be just locked into this genre you know so we were like you know and especially a lot of the guys in these bands all came from other harder bands yeah Ian Mackay being in Minor Thread and then Jay was like in Government Issue which is like a full-on you know punk rock band and and whatever so it was kind of like these are all guys that are legitimate dudes from these other bands and they're kind of moving on into this other stuff yeah and it just seemed like a natural maturity i guess you know it's like uh you can only be angry so much like you know and it you know once you have so once you get what you want to say off your chest what are you doing then you know um and you know we listen to you know all kinds of bands you know like our favorite 
you know, band when we were on the on the road to listen to late at night it was like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and Led Zeppelin, and Pink Floyd, and and uh, I like the Beatles. They don't like the Beatles, but uh, and uh, you know, Fugazi and Quicksand and and Sensefield and uh, you know, Shades Apart, um, and. Uh, you, you get the idea. You were expanding your your musical horizons yeah, into exactly. all different types of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, we kind of got into um, we kind of got into it, and just like really, just after Strong Arm, we decided to um, just kind of end it because you know for many reasons i don't know if you want to get into that but um more just internal band strife or you guys felt like kind of you set out what you wanted to do and put out a couple records and yeah it wasn't any strife or anything i mean we're all friends to this day um Mm -hmm. it's just uh it got to a point where as a hardcore band there was no future it was like well what are we doing um we never really like made any money got you know or you know it couldn't be a career for us you know Uh and it was like we were getting older you know we gotta go to school gotta get jobs gotta you know make ends meet and chris got married and and josh got married to your sister yeah 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 and uh it was just like you know uh it just wasn't feasible for a band like what we were to have any legs to it you know Mm -hmm. and also we wanted to do other stuff we had other things in you know in our heart you know uh music wise you know yeah and i remember it was our last show it was in uh at cornerstone 98 i think Mm -hmm. um we uh went up there and we went with our friend Matt Fox from Shiloh and uh, we were sitting in a gazebo outside a hotel there and writing uh, songs for for another band we were gonna do that Matt was gonna do which ended up being further seems forever mm-hmm. and uh, we we're just like oh man this is so cool we get to do other stuff and you know and actually uh, Steve, Josh, Matt, and I were, we did like a surf rock band. <laughs> really? Which was awesome. Um, uh, it was called The Day It Rained on Arrakis, and it was just really cool. <laughs> and we still kind of like, who's got the recording of that? You know? But you guys did a recording? Yeah, there's a recording out there. Somewhere. Somewhere. It's like, and you, <laughs> you're going to laugh at this. The recording, the only copy that we had from the recording was on, was recorded over a Bloodlet cassette tape. Nice. <laughs> I actually have my, my band from high school. I found a tape in here, and, and, and the master is a TDK tape that handwritten on it. It says master. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Here, here's the one to put in the left side of the cassette deck to copy from, yeah. basically. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Fancy. Oh, uh, you know, and actually, like, man, like, I, I'm just starting to remember all this stuff, you know? I, like, I remember the guys from Unashamed getting me into, like, Jawbreaker mm-hmm. and some of those uh, bands, too. 
Well, I was, I remember all this stuff, at least through this era, because I was strong arms A&R guy. Yeah. And then, um, I've been going through all these bins of stuff. Cause I have like 10 years worth of like paperwork and all basically when I left tooth and nail in 2003, I took everything in my file cabinet and put it in bins. And I've just had that. I've just been carting that stuff around with me. Uh-huh. And I've been fine. Like the last few years I've been kind of digging through some of that stuff and I I'll have to send you copies, but I have, I have the letter handwritten letter you sent me saying, Hey Bill, this is our new band further seems forever <laughs> like here's our tape or like whatever i have that letter i have letter from wisner of like here's a, here's the new record i have a letter from chris saying uh caraba here's the new jams or whatever i mean i have like all that stuff so. <laughs> awesome yeah i remember writing <laughs> that to you oh gosh so different nowadays isn't it all i know is you sent me a thing and said here's our new band and then it took me like two years to get you guys like in the studio that's my <laughs> that's my main well, we, <laughs> that's my main memory oh my gosh dude we have this we we, we have this quote from you that we would always say and it would make us laugh it would be like We'd call you on the phone, and you'd be like, hey, man. And I'd go, hey, how's it going? You'd be like, when's y'all shit coming out? (laughs) (laughs) Is that what I used to say? Well, it was like it got to the point where it was like taking so long. It was just like, come on, guys. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, uh, I don't want to get too far ahead, but that's uh, that's yeah. definitely a story I've told over and over and over again. This is like the thing that killed, that nearly killed me uh, trying to get the moon is down uh, out was like oh, a singular gosh. like a singular miserable experience in my music career. Oh gosh, I feel so guilty. Seriously, I ruined. Well, it it wasn't it wasn't your fault. Oh, that's a new. I have a new band name. I broke Bill. Pat- <laughs> nobody cares i just was like i was like you know i loved your old band and i knew i knew this was gonna be awesome and i was like so excited and it just seemed like it was taking forever and then further seems forever hilarious and then uh and then we finally like got the studio booked and you guys like get up to the day where you're gonna go in and record and then like chris calls me he's like i'm quitting i'm not gonna do the record that's that's sort of like the summary of how that all went down <laughs> Uh, I but we're, we're, I just I just skipped way far ahead. So let's yeah. go back to uh, so uh, Vacant Andes is the band that Chris is. Is that how you guys met him, or did you yeah, have so other mutual friends? Or Strong Arm, we would like the cool thing about the South Florida music scene was a lot of different bands. We would all play together. Like the shows would be mixed hardcore band, a punk band, a ska band, a, a indie band. You know. And uh, Vacant Andes were was probably one of the only bands around that would they actually like had singers, you know, yeah. like and yeah. they like they were really good, like good rock band, you know, mm-hmm. um, and not just yelling, yeah, singing. not just yelling, and you know, um, we would play shows with them and we'd joke around and we knew each other, kind of, we were pretty good acquaintances, you know, not like. Mm-hmm we hung out all the time or anything like that when strong arm was over and we you know said we really wanted to try our hand at writing some different kind of music um actually yeah matt fox was supposed to be in the band but shy Lude was so busy at the time that and he he was just you know kind of unavailable he'll say mm-hmm. that we kind of ousted him out of the band to this day but <laughs> that's not true yeah anyway so we we're like well we need to try to get a uh someone who can actually sing you know 
mm. and yep. not just yell and it's just a like a whole different vibe and it's very new to us because you know we didn't even know how to approach it at least i know in my head i was like let's just do what we like to do we're just gonna do whatever we want whatever sounds good i'm not gonna wrap it in this box you know Mm -hmm. so um we came to like just kind of thinking about who we would get and uh the vacant andes had two singers they had john owens and chris caraba and we were Mm -hmm. like John is an awesome guy, but he love he's very rowdy and loves to party. <laughs> and we were like, I don't know. And Chris was probably the more like polished singer at the time. Um, like took his was probably more serious. Um, but uh, basically, you know, we approached Chris and said, Hey, we're doing this thing, and. He, it was like the timing was right because the vacant Andes were kind of, he was kind of like over it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he was like, we were like, let's get together and just see what happens, you know, and we'll um, try to write and see how we click and blah, blah, blah. And uh, we got together at, at Josh's house and wrote through some songs. And it was just such a really great, like neat experience. And, uh, Chris had just before that he was uh, doing some acoustic songs just for his own thing, you know, and mm-hmm. it was really cool. And we were going to incorporate some of those songs and we it just really worked out well, you know, and Chris was a, such a solid guy. And, it, you know, and that was kind of the most important thing that, you know, we could like mesh well, you know. Mm-hmm. So we were like, okay, let's do this, you know? So mm-hmm. that's how kind of that started. Now, did he, at this at this time, did he have, like, the same, like, faith as you guys? Or was he just sort of a positive person and whatever? Like, where was he with all that stuff? Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, he was a positive guy. Um, I don't think, no, he wasn't a Christian at the time. Um, mm-hmm. And I think somewhere along the line, he, he did become... A Christian and believe in all those things. Um, I mean, I'm not trying to get you to like yeah, speak for him or anything like that. I just, I sure. honestly had no recollection of like where he stood with any of that stuff. Like, yeah. he and I never had a conversation about it or anything. So. Yeah, I mean, I think he believed, uh, um, but we we had like a really conscious effort at that point um, with the band that it wasn't gonna be a Christian band. Strongarm was a Christian band. And mm-hmm. that was awesome, you know. Um, but for the Seems Forever, we wanted to take it further, pardon the pun. And <laughs> <laughs> well, we wanted it to. We wanted it to be a career, right? So, in mm-hmm. I, I had a problem, and I think we had a problem with. Hey, if we're gonna make money, or we're gonna try to make money doing this, I don't want to do it in God's name. I don't want to use like Christianity to make money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. So we had like a different uh, kind of take on it, you know, um, where we felt like, hey, we're all Christians and Chris was writing lyrics and he was going to church and, you know, but we wanted the 
it to be real, you know? So you're basically trying, you had a change of uh, your thinking and, and philosophy and, and what yeah. you wanted to do this time around. I mean, we, we still always wanted to have a positive message. That was a big part of it, you know? And we were Christians in this band, but we didn't necessarily want, like, to limit ourselves to talking about spiritual things all the time, you know, because mm-hmm. that that's just not real. And as you're kind of maturing in life, you know, you kind of figure that out. Yeah, so where Chris was at that time, you know, I can't really speak for him, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think we all kind of had the same vision at least, you know. That's cool. So then what, uh, like, do you remember like the first time you guys played a show as further seems forever. Like, did you wait a long time and just focus on writing songs or like, what was that? What was the deal with all that? Yeah, no. Uh, I think we were pretty eager to, once we had a couple songs, you know, uh, to play, to play out, you know? Um, cause that's mm-hmm. what, that's really what we loved to do. You know, um, we wrote some songs and decided, uh, trying to remember the order yeah i mean i remember playing first yeah we played played out with some some local bands and uh um played some shows it was awesome and then we decided we were going to record a demo um so we went and recorded a demo uh with jeremy dubois and uh that that was the tape that you got yeah, <laughs> we sent it out to as many places as we could: Jade Tree and Vagrant and Tooth mm-hmm. and Nail, of course. And we were just, you know, basically did it from the ground up, the only way we knew how. Do you know? Do you remember what what songs are on there? I sadly do not have the tape. I only have the letter. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was uh, just until sundown. Uh, Vengeance Factor. Um, uh, Justice Prevails, and I think Pictures of Shorelines. Mm-hmm. I think it was four songs, yeah. And uh, most of those were on, a couple of those were on The Moon Is Down, a couple were on a split we did with Recess Theory. Mm-hmm. Um, on Take Hold, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's what that was. Um, we ended up, uh, Take Hold, Chad Johnson um, hit us up and was like, hey, I'd really like to... Um, do a split seven inch with you guys would you be interested and we were like okay and uh we did it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's cool and uh which is funny, which is funny. because <laughs> chad ended up being our a and r rep after you he decided replaced to, me when i left yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> sure whatever <laughs> <laughs> Chad Neptune, kids. That guy kills it on the bass and in life. Am I right? Hey, please come back next week for part two of my conversation with Chad, where we dig deeper into what it took to make Further Seems Forever's The Moon Is Down and some really cool stuff his family is doing helping orphans in Rwanda. 
Hey, the music clips on today's episode were Strong Arm Trials from Atonement and Sorrow is a Sage from Advent of a Miracle on Tooth and & Nail and Solid State Records. And in the outro, the original version of The Bradley from Further Seems Forever's Split EP with Recess Theory on Takehold Records. Thank you so much to those of you purchasing merchandise from the shop, supporting the show through Patreon, giving ratings and writing reviews on iTunes, and telling your friends about the show. You all have my gratitude. Thank you so much, and please keep it up. And as always, you can follow Urban Achiever on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Urban Achiever PC. You can email me anytime at Billy at UrbanAchieverShow.com. And please, don't be shy. I'd love to hear from you. And until next time, keep up the good work. I'm proud of you.